Though Jackson State didn't come down with the victory, they did prove that they belong in this game with LSU. I'm going to tell you what led to the outcome, and Coach Cynthia Cooper-Dyke retires from Texas Southern as a transformative head coach for the women's basketball program. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day day and i of course am darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor thank you for going on this journey with me make it locked on hbcu your first listen of the every day and this is brought to you by stat hero reshaping the way that you play fantasy sports dozens of house-based games to play daily no sh- no sharks no fun just your skill versus the lineups that you choose sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on Jackson State proved one thing in this game, and that's that they belong in this game with LSU by nearly pulling off the upset. And when I say that they belong, I don't mean that they belong to be playing LSU. They they show that they can compete with them. No, I mean that they belong on this stage. And I understand that this, this segment probably is going to be of no solace to Jackson State players, Jackson State alum, Jackson State fans, and ain't really much I can do about that. Honestly, I apologize. It's not meant to be a consolation or anything. But this is more speaking speaking to the overall brand of, of HBCU basketball, but then also speaking to Jackson State and their place and their, their season. So I wish, because I don't really think there's any consolation, especially with a game like this where you had it in the, you know, right there in your grasp. But I can analyze what I think is a major step forward. And that major step forward is that when I say they belong on this stage, I think that so often HBCUs are, are expected to just get ran out of the building. And I know it may sound weird. You know, like, you belong. You didn't win. But at the same time, you did not get ran out of the building. And I didn't expect it. I'm sure that most people listening to this podcast did not expect it. But I do know that there is a certain amount of people or a certain section or group of people who likely did expect that to happen they expect hbcus when they're in these in the ncaa tournament to get ran out of the building and i don't think it really matters what seed you are and let me let me get this out the way because kind of i'm kind of cognizant about well i don't want to put out the wrong message and i definitely don't want to seem like whining i've heard some people accuse hbcus of whining um so i don't want to be accused of that either this is an HBCU platform, right? So this is locked on HBCU. So we're talking about HBCUs. That doesn't mean that other places don't deal with certain perceptions or the lower seeds aren't meant to. I understand that low seeds are expected to lose in the tournament because they are the lower seed. They are the numeric underdog. It's clear, especially a 14, 15, 16. It's a big gap between who you're playing. So I'm not trying to pity, no, but there are there are certain perceptions of schools who are in the FCS level in football. I think in basketball, for the most part, you're not really expecting them to come out and win. So 
I don't want to make it seem like a woe is me. Let's just get that out the way that I'm not trying to, to drum up any kind of pity. And I don't think Jackson State needed, required, or has shown themselves deserving of pity. They don't, they don't need that. But I do think there's a group of people who come into this game, expect HBCUs to get ran out of the building because HBCUs are always the lower seeds. They're never going to be in the top or they haven't been thus far. I don't want to say never because that's, you know, forever. Let's close that out. Let's, let's be positive, right? So they are a, 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 they're a section of colleges who have not been a top eight seed, haven't been a top 10 seed. So when they win games in a tournament, it'll be shocking, you know? But here's the thing. That's what March Madness is. And I just want to say that Jackson State has proven that they had a really good season. I don't care about an HBCU. I don't care about a, a SWAC, a MEAC. I don't care about any of that. They proved that. Don't just look down on the competition they're facing. They're not just feasting on lower teams or a lower competition level. That's not what's happening here. What's really happening here is that this team is really good. They had a really good player in Amisha Williams Holiday. They had a player that's really good. So they didn't get ran out of the building. They didn't. And sometimes this, we take, I have to take a step back because participation, participation trophies aren't a thing in my, in my world, right? I, I don't believe that participation, participation trophies should be a thing. However, if you're one of the people who say, well, they didn't get the win, wins and losses, all that matters, I completely get that. And I will not really argue you on it. Like I completely understand. I would just provide this counterpoint is that there are other things at place. There's other narratives, other other storylines that are taking place going into these games. And I think maybe from a, an outsider's point of view, you might not be able to see that. But from right here where I'm sitting, I understand that people aren't expecting the HBCUs to come in and make noise. People are expecting those HBCUs to come in and be blowouts. That's what. I don't blame them. The most 16 seed. If the 16 seed isn't a, isn't an HBCU, they're expecting that. But once again, this is an HBCU platform. So I'm speaking on the HBCUs. They're expecting that to be a blowout. So for Jackson State to come in and really give them a game and at a point make it seem like they were going to come out with a victory, I think is a major win. And it speaks towards the conference. Coach Reed spoke about it. They're talking about the conference. They're talking about Jackson State specifically. I'm talking about HBCUs. She just spoke about the conference and the team. but. I think for, for HBCUs in general of the MEAC or the SWAC, you're sitting there and you're saying, look, look at what, what our representative did. That's why it's locked on HBCUs, not locked on SWAC, not locked on MEAC, not locked on CAC, uh, CIAA, none of those things. It's locked on HBCU because at the end of the day, there is a certain solidarity between HBCUs when they're not competing with each other. So I think a lot of us are looking like, look at what Jackson State did. We were all rooting for Jackson State. I know I was. I know a lot of people on my timeline on Twitter was. I know they were. So there is a certain pride that comes with showing that, hey, Jackson State can do it. And when I look at it, I want to I want to talk about Coach Reed. Because when I look at it and I look at this game in totality and I see all the ebbs and flows that came with it that we will discuss in a minute, man, they showed a whole lot of fight. They showed a whole lot of fight and showed that, hey, we deserve to be that, that 14 seed. When we say we could have been a 13 or a 12, we deserve to be that. You look at all the other 15 and 16 seeds around, around the uh, NCAA tournament. They were getting blown out. You know, UTA was able to pull off an upset. I think they were a 14 seed. But you look at it, man, they were getting blown out. As you get closer or higher and the, the matchup become less spaced out, now you're going to see more competition. 
And I think what Jackson State just did is if they can come back with another impressive season like they just had, they're going, they might get a higher seat. They might get a 13 because they really did push LSU to the limits. Coach Reed got her credit from Coach Mulkey. I hope this, I hope this team is getting credit from everybody else. I hope that that's what's happening because they completely deserve it. They've earned all of that. So, no, Jackson State did not get the victory. And this is no sort of consolation to the, to the players, the alumni, the fans, once again. But I want to say that one thing they did accomplish was show a certain section of people watching those games that just because you come from a, a lower conference, specifically a SWAC or a MEAC, the HBCU conferences in D1, does not mean that you're going to be a doormat when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Please do not underestimate the talent that is in these conferences because at any given moment, they can pop. And you'd be like, man, I didn't realize they were that good. So I think that Jackson State's near victory, near upset really did a lot and went a long way as far as putting a conference or putting a, a the NCAA on notice about a conference and a swag that, hey, it's not all, you know, rainbows when you have to face a team from there. Watch out and, and please respect the seeding that these teams fought to earn. Now, I am still a little bit upset that they did not get the victory, but I'm going to tell you how it came to be because there was a lot of momentum shifts, three specifically, that led to the outcome of this game. But first, I want to tell you about Stat Hero and how many people put down money and said, hey, Kentucky is going to pull off this victory for sure. I, I did. Um, brackets busted. Brackets busted. I, I thought Kentucky was for sure going to do it. What's up, Kentucky? How you losing to a 15C like that, man? Come on. <sighs> anyway, the one thing I still have going for me is the fact that I still have Stat Heroes single game pick them. It's no more long, 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 drawn out, have to get everything right type of things. No, it's single game. And you can also choose between lineups. So though Kentucky's out here busting brackets everywhere, I don't know how many people really picked them to get upset in the first you still have an option. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on. You get a 100% deposit match. And then also just understand, there are so many different ways to play. And with Stat Hero, you miss one, you can go to the next one. You miss one, you go to the next one. That's why users are four times, likely, four times more likely to win coming from there. Go to stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Also, let me tell you about Built Bar because Built Bar is the best bar on the market, bar none. And listen, what is it? The end of March? How many people are really going strong with their, their New Year's resolution? If you are, I commend you because, look, three months is a long time for New Year's resolutions. People be done in three three weeks. So I commend you. And a lot of people had the, the resolution of eating healthy. And I hope that you made Built Bar a part of your resolution because Built Bar is the best bar on the market. Like I said, they come with 17 grams of protein. We love that. Four grams of sugar. We love that. Four grams of net carbs. We really love that. But then it also comes in a bunch of tasty flavors. And that's the best part because it's no more health benefits without the flavor and the, the, the um, tastiness that comes with what you want to eat, right? Because sometimes it's, it's healthy, but we don't want to eat it because it's just bland. Not the case. They even have Built Bar Puffs where you have chocolate over marshmallows and still have 17 grams of protein, four grams of sugar and four net carbs. I do not understand how you get these things done, but that's why I don't make them. I just I just talk about them. I can read the nutrition facts and know that it's there. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your offer to get you a pack of Built Bars.
All right, so keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is largesse, meaning the act of generously giving money or to the money given. It can also mean generosity. So how was Jackson State nearly able to pull off that upset? And how did three specific momentum shifts lead to the outcome not falling in their favor? Now, March Madness, NCAA tournament, the big dance, whatever you want to call it. You can't have a big dance without a little bit of crumping. And that's why Maya Crump absolutely went off with one of her best games of the season. Now, there was a clear emphasis in the first in the first quarter, specifically on both sides. But there was a clear emphasis by LSU that they did not want the paint to be attacked offensively. They were doing everything that they could not to allow that. That forced more shots from the outside, more mid-range shots. Those were the things that LSU said Jackson State was going to have to beat us with. And that's why I felt like it was, it was, it was imperative and it was important that Maya Crump went off because she knocked down four threes on a day. Four for four is how she started as well. And with that, it allowed the game to open up a little bit because in the first quarter, Amisha Williams-Holiday didn't even get her first bucket until basically the last, I think, minute, maybe minute and a half of the first quarter. But it was the very end of the first quarter when she finally got a bucket in. And honestly, I felt like that size was something that she just was not used to as much, or at least she struggled with in this game, right? And I think the size of LSU was something that was a little bit more difficult for her to navigate. And she still was able to get her. She still got 15 points, but it just was not easy. It was very difficult. And a lot of it came from the line. And that was a great job of just mitigating some of those difficulties at the field by getting to the free throw line, which was a a key for victory that Dilly gave us on Friday about LSU getting not uh, upset. Also, another another key was the three point shot, which Crump provided a lot of. And this is fresh off of a 22 point game versus Alabama State in the SWAC championship game. So she was really hot to end the season. And I think that three pointers. Free throw, getting to the free throw line. Both of those things led to a lot of success later on in the game. In the first quarter, it was pretty much even. It was pretty much even. But then as the next three quarters went, there was runs in each quarter that specifically went to another to another team because it was LSU, Jackson State, LSU. And those runs were the reasons that those teams won those quarters and honestly were the reason that the, the outcome was the outcome. Now, I want to start off with the first one, the one-woman band. That's the momentum shift number one. I'm trying to get, give some of these some names. The second one was the most difficult for me, right? So in the first run, the, the one-woman band, that was Jalen Cherry, who I proved fruitful for LSU because she went on an 8-0 run herself. Not the team. The team went on an 8-0 run, yes, but it was all coming from Cherry. And it looked like she was going to add another three at the end of that first, uh, at the end of the first half. But this was a game where, man, she went off for over 20 points, and this was her best stretch of action. It was her most consistent in almost every play. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, Jalen Cherry, who just made that? Jalen Cherry, who made that? Jalen Cherry. And that's really what was going on in that first quarter, or in that first half, excuse me, the second quarter, the first half. And that was that led to a, to a lead that was as 13. Now, when it got to the second half, they still built up a little bit, but about a minute in, a minute and some change in, you get to the second momentum shift. And the one I was like, I don't know what I want to call this. You know, we can call it the technical. Uh, 
the, the third quarter. Ah, man, it's just so many things. I didn't know what I wanted to call it because it felt like a run, but it was really the full third quarter of a domination, but it started off as a technical. And um, it all started with Coach Reed getting teed up, and that was a little under nine minutes left in the, in the, in the third quarter. And with that technical, they shot free throws, and that lead got up to 17. That was the highest point that um, LSU was able to lead by in the game. From there, they just fired off on a 10-0 run. And with that, it was three out of their eight three-pointers that they made in the game. Remember, three-point shots was a part of this uh, was a part of this keys to victory that we provided. And three of their eight made three-pointers came in that third quarter. And in that third quarter, it was it was all Jackson State, and they led. They, excuse me, they, they, their offensive spurt, excuse me, led to a 30-point quarter, which was the highest by LSU all year. They had never given up 30 points in a quarter. And that quarter was mostly spent just chipping away at that lead, but they did end up getting a four-point lead in the third quarter. And while they were chipping away that lead, chipping away that lead, and they ended with a one-point lead and going into the fourth, this was the situation where I think a lot of people at home started sitting there and saying, wait a minute. Because in that second run, the one woman band there, you sat there and said, All right, they about to get them out of here, leading by seven. But then they fighting back. Nah, Jackson State ain't backing down, they ain't bowing down or anything. And this is what that really showed. Their three point shot was very efficient. And they also just got the lead and took a whole lot of momentum back. And that carried into the fourth quarter. And then after a while, they got up to a 13-point, or I think it was 10-point lead, excuse me, and that's when everything stopped because they did start fighting back, and then they got to a 10-point lead, and everything stopped. All the momentum was gone, and that was momentum shift number three, and I call that the final countdown because that was the end of the game, the last five minutes of the game. And look, I got a bad feeling. Once they started saying, this has never happened before, number 14 seeds are 0-111 versus number three seeds in women NCAA tournament history, I started saying, oh my gosh, y'all know that I'm very, very superstitious. So these type of things are 100% going to get to me. It's just who I am. I can't help it. So I'm sitting there like, dang. I'm, I'm like, when I saw it and then they said it again, I started yelling in my head like Florida when James died. I'm like, I ain't gonna say it on here, but y'all know, if you know, you know. All right. And that's how I was yelling internally. I was just sitting there upset. But it is what it is. And from that point, they were up 10 points, 74, 64. And Kayla Pointer decided she was just going to take over and be absolutely ridiculous. Of the next points, Kayla Pointer either assisted or scored on all but five of them. Three of them were tips. So she couldn't do anything about that. She was absolutely magnificent in this last five minutes of the game. Meanwhile, LSU found the kryptonite, and they were able to absolutely shut down Jackson State's offense. And that's how it led to a loss, because each team got a, got a quarter. Each team had a run that really defined and decided the quarter, whether that was a woman man, whether that was a band, whether that was the technical, whether that was the final countdown, that went LSU, Jackson State, LSU. And maybe if there was a fifth quarter, Jackson State would have ended on top, but there wasn't. And in the fourth quarter, LSU had that last run. And that's what honestly led to the outcome. It was a game of runs, like they say basketball always is. That's the cliche. Well, the last run went to LSU. And Kayla Pointer was absolutely phenomenal, knocking down the game leading. They were able, they were tied and they went ahead at three point or with three point lead. Kayla Pointer three pointer. 
So it was just tough. But all in all, you know, it was still a good shot. It was still a good game. But after the first quarter, those runs, they decided Jackson State was just on the wrong side of the final run. Now, going forward, I want to switch over to another swipe women's basketball team, and that is Texas Southern because their coach, Cynthia Kuberdyke, is retiring Texas Southern for the second time. She's leaving here as a transformative coach for their women's basketball program. But first, I want to tell you about BetOnline because BetOnline.net is the number one place for all of your sports wagering. Listen, you name it, they got it. You want it, they got it. Just that simple. You want the NCAA tournament. March Madness is all the rave right now, as it is every year. I remember just sitting in the classroom watching March Madness. You know, it is not the time for that. March Madness. You want to talk about the NBA? They have that. Who's going to go into the playing game? How many points was how many points is Russell Westbrook going to score this game? A lot of people giving Russell Westbrook a lot of flack, but then he had that that game tying three to send into overtime, and he told him, "I got twenty three points. I'm not going to stop being confident." Are you willing to be confident as well and put the money down and say what his over under is going to be in the next game? BetOnline is the place to do that. NCAA World Series, the MLB is coming back. These are the things that BetOnline is best at. But that's not all. They also have your favorite Vegas casino game. So when I say you want it, they got it. I mean that. Go to BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest. Where the wage on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, as we're wrapping up today's episode of BCU, Cynthia Kubadike is retiring as the coach of Texas Southern. And with that, her legacy should be as the most or one of the most transformative head coaches in Texas Southern women's basketball history. Yes, listen, I know that her legacy and her, her resume will always speak for itself. No matter where she goes, Cynthia Cooper will be one of the best basketball players to ever play the game. She's one of the best players in WNBA history. She's well-decorated. Those things will always be true. Those things will never be false. However, when we're talking specifically Texas Southern, she's the most transformative. I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. She is the most transformative head coach. And I don't know, I don't care how much largest that you participate in. You will never get me to say a bad word about Coop. I don't, I don't care. I don't care how much money you throw at me. I ain't got nothing bad to say about Coop. You would have to give me a script because in my brain, it isn't there. Right. I remember I was only there for a year, her first year that she was there. And I just remember the, the relationship that she had with another first year player in the program. That was Siani Cryer. She was a grad student out of, out of Rutgers. And, you know, I actually had the, the I did a story and she was one of the people I focused on because it was senior night. And just hearing the relationship that they had, it was fun. I wish I had the things that were edited out of that story because those were some of the most, the most fun moments. We just didn't get to use them. Oh, man, it was great. But I just remember that relationship that she had and that she that she built and cultivated with that team, even though she was only there for a year. It felt as if she was the coach and that recruited all of these girls, but she wasn't not for the most part. She wasn't recruiting all of them. So it was just, it was those type of things that I remember. Let's get into her two stints at Texas Southern. Yes, two. And that's what makes me most proud. I'll start with the first one. The first one was, you know, it was a good representation of that Drake lyric. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. And that's definitely what it was. It was only a year. So it wasn't long, but a good time. Yeah, it was definitely that. So, 
with this. She was only here for a year before she departed, but she brought Texas Southern their first 21 season in school history. The year prior, they were a five and 26 ball club. She nearly flipped the script completely as far as their, their record. This was a really good team that if you just went back a, a season before, you would be questioning. But that was in 2012, 2013. She brought them to their first postseason berth, to their first SWAC championship in the regular season. None of those things had happened. They went to the NIT tournament because they were able to win their conference. These are all things that weren't happening before Coop was there. That's what I mean when I say she transformed it. But it's not just like, okay, well, she's a good coach, so good coaches are going, going to bring success. Mind you, they had never had a 21 season. They were 5-26 and 26 before that. She stayed for a single year before going to USC. That 19 or more every season except for one. All the seasons except for one, and multiple times they had 21 seasons. I mean, transformative. See, she built up a coach, and they were able to get another coach, a coach that I knew when I was there, you know, and Hayes, Coach Hayes. I was like, man, Coach Hayes is real good. And Coach Hayes ended up leaving. She went elsewhere, and in came in Coach Cooper Dyke. But let's let's give it a second, because prior to that, she came back and did commentary for TSU. That just shows the love and, you know, what an impression that TSU made on her in her one year there that she was going to say, all right, well, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be a commentator for Texas Southern color commentary. Man, you know, I know she played in Houston, but she only coached TSU for a year. She coached PV for five. We ain't really going to talk about that because that ain't really what we're talking about right now. Can y'all see the shirt? Y'all see the shirt. All right. We ain't talking about them right now, whatever. But only for a year. And then when that, that vacancy opened up, she came in in her first year back. She had another 21 season. So it's the fact that when she went to USC, a player of her caliber that had built up the success that she had on the HBCU and maybe the lower levels, man, you would have thought that would have been able to catapult her and she be in the power fives forever, but she came back. And I think that was a choice. That was a personal choice. She for sure didn't have to come back and be a color commentator. That shows you the love and the appreciation that she has for TSU and the culture. Third Ward, you, man. I, that's my school. I'm very appreciative of everything that Coach Coop has done. I'm very appreciative of the time that I got to spend covering her, her first year at Texas Southern. That was a great time. Coach Coop, you, I ain't going to say nothing bad about you. You should go down. She will go down statistically as the third winningest coach in Texas Southern women's basketball history, but she should go down, forget the numbers, as just the most transformative coach in that program's history. In times like that, talking to Coach Coop, seeing that relationship, talking to the other coaches, those are the type of things that made me want to continue to cover HBCU athletics even after I left my HBCU. And here we are today on Locked On HBCU, where you should continue to make your first listen of the day every day. In tomorrow's episode, we're going to be switching back over to Jackson State and talking about Mo Williams, because Mo Williams, the former NBA player, is the new head coach of Jackson State men's basketball. We're going to see exactly what that means for the program. And for your second listen of the day, Make sure you're checking out Locked On NFL Draft because it's the big event, man. We're almost in April. We're almost there. You need to be checking them out to educate yourself. They're doing mock drafts on Mondays. They're doing things like that, things you don't want to miss. Former NFL and AFL cornerback Eric Crocker is there along with his partner, Ryan Tracy, bringing out everything that you need for the NFL Draft. And in the meantime, in between time, y'all can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.